All right, we are here with another edition of Sounding Off on Soccer. This is a special FIFA Women's World Cup. We're starting to do some previews. I'll probably have Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News on soon as well to talk about it. Uh, and I'm sure Rachel Krieger, uh, who uh, we know very well, too. But right now, I'm very excited to have uh, Randy Waldrum. You know, normally we're talking Pitt women's soccer. You're obviously the head women's soccer coach of Pitt. Uh, but this is a very exciting year uh, for soccer. Uh, of course, every year it seems like it gets it's bigger and bigger in the States and here in Pittsburgh. But but uh, you are taking uh, the Nigerian women's team, the Super Falcons, to Australia down under uh, for this experience, uh, uh, coaching them in the Women's World Cup. Uh, first of all, how are you feeling right now heading into this? Oh, I tell you, John, I've got. Um all kinds of emotions going on right now. Obviously, you know, from a coach's or a player's perspective, it's always a dream to play or coach at the highest level. And, you know, I thought many years when I got into coaching, I'd always dreamed of being in a World Cup. So excited that this opportunity, you know, presented itself and excited that we, we qualified for it. And now all of a sudden we're, you know, we're within – I don't know, 30 days, a little less than that of, of cranking off uh, the first match. So um, that side of it's been really, really exciting for me. Um, the flip side of it where I, I said I had mixed emotions is I know we're not prepared the way we need to be and been very frustrated in recent months and in particular in recent weeks with the Federation and the lack of support we've, we've gotten in so many different levels. And I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of that today. Yeah. I mean, Randy, first of all, just set us up here. Those of us in Pittsburgh, I don't know, you know, if people realize the, the, how much logistically goes into something like this. And especially for the fact that, you know, you have players that are going to be traveling from Nigeria to Australia. And these are things like we all take for granted, you know, World Cup comes around and, you know, it's just, I think people might think this is an easy thing to do. We just jump on a plane and get somewhere, but I'm sure there's just massive logistics involved and it's challenging for a federation or challenging um, for a lot of countries to, to be able to support their, their teams to get to these, to these type of events. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that we, we qualified, I'm trying to think back in AFCON, what, <laughs> I'm losing track of my month of what month that was in, but, uh, you know, we qualified in the spring, um, way back in the springtime, um, I guess, you know, for, for this World Cup. So we've known for, for quite a while. And, you know, you would have hoped that we would have used that time, um, you know, to... Um, to use it for preparation for, for this. And unfortunately that hasn't really been the case, but, um, but to your point, there's so much that goes into it. You know, we've got players that are playing all over the world. So some of those leagues for those players ended in May. And so they've been off from May to, you know, till June, uh, till we are now and, and, and then have to find a way to stay fit and uh, stay in form and all those things. Um, so we've got players not only, you know, that's been off since May, some players have played up through the month of June, um, you know, with some club competitions that go on in the summer. Uh, and then for our players that are U.S. based, you know, they're right in the middle of the NWSL season. So 
trying to figure out from each country when we're going to be able to get access to those players, um, how we get them from Spain to either Nigeria or Spain directly into Australia. And, you know, the logistics of that, of course, that flight's about a 20 to 24 hour uh, trek, you know, as well. So it's, you're right. It's, it's not easy logistically. And of course we're going to go, we leave Sunday and we'll arrive on the fourth. Um, so, you know, the flight will take us two days in terms of time-wise to get there. We'll need a couple of days off uh, for recovery from travel, but then we'll take about 10 days, um, not in the camp where we're going to be during the World Cup, but we have to go to a different site just to train for those 10 days and then move back into Brisbane into our actual camp headquarters, you know, a few days prior to World Cup starting. So there's so much travel, so much um, behind the scenes things that you have to get organized for. So it's been doing, grabbing visas for everybody and, you know, all of those things that have to take place. So it's it's a pretty uh, daunting uh, uh, thing to have to do. And how much travel within Australia will the team be going through? Or will there be any other treks? Yeah, there there will be. We'll uh, once we arrive, our home base is going to be in Brisbane, but I think we we'll have to fly over to a short flight over to play um, our opening match, I believe, in Melbourne. Um, and then after that match against Canada, we'll come back to Brisbane, and then our second two legs uh, are in Brisbane. So a little bit of travel once we get there. Now, again, like I said, I think our camp that we're having the ten days or so prior. Um, is about an hour, hour and a half bus ride away from Brisbane where we're staying uh, for that camp prior to it. So a little bit of travel on the front end in the first match, and then we, we settled back in for the, the remaining two matches. So you you obviously have a club, a team, uh, players that are really going to need those 10 days to come together. Um, you've done it before, but I mean, this is definitely a massive task. And your, your competition is, uh, you know, it's not like you're going to be walking in and playing a team that teams that are maybe even in the same boat. I mean, you're, you're going to be, you have Canada in your, in your, in your group, you have the home country, Australia, which I'm sure they're, you know, they're really revved up for this. And, and, you know, so those, especially those two uh, opponents stand out, but I'm sure that you know, there's a lot of work ahead of you, but you also seem, I mean, from all things, you know, I've seen watched a little bit uh, was that, you know, there's, this is a talented squad that you're working with. It's just, how can you make it all work in, in that period of time? Yeah, I joke about it <laughs> with people here in the U.S. It's it's we have less days than a college preseason, you know, to get ready for a World Cup. And it it blows my mind. I mean, like I said, we've known this for a long time, um, you know, since last year that we had qualified for this. And I think we've had five international windows over these last, um, you know, months to get ready for this. And. You know, the hard part has been we were supposed to have had a camp in Nigeria for about 10 or 12 days. Then we were going to go directly into Australia at the very beginning of the month and finish out with another 10 or 15 days in Australia. And for whatever reason, the Federation canceled the camp in Nigeria. So instead of being able to look at all the players again, we were also going to bring in a few more players that were on the bubble, you know, that we had questions marks about in our roster. Uh, we were going to get to see some of them. Instead of that, I had to just pick our final 23 based on the last camp. And 
like I said, some of these players have been off since May. So I really don't know the physical condition that they're in, even though we've sent them programs to follow, you know, you hope they're all true pros and follow it. But um, that was a massive blow to us. Um, the other thing people won't realize it's happened is um, I'll backtrack and tell you a little side story with AFCON. When we played in AFCON, <clears throat> if you didn't follow us, we got into the, we qualified through the round of 16, qualified for the World Cup. Um, then we got into the semifinals of the African Cup of Nations and we ended up losing to Morocco. We had two players ejected in the second half with about 30 minutes left in the game. So we played 30 minutes of regular time, short, two players. Um, and then we had to play 30 minutes of extra time, short, two players. So we played about 60, a little over 60 minutes, two players short, and we did a great job and we got it all the way to penalty kicks and lost in penalties. Well, after that match, <clears throat> you know, obviously our players needed the next two days were huge to recover. And what happened is the players hadn't been paid. So they boycotted. They wouldn't come out of the hotel room. So for two days, they sat in the room. We didn't train. Uh, they wouldn't come out and do any recovery, wouldn't take care of their bodies, couldn't do any video, couldn't do any scouting. And we had to play Zambia for the third place match. So the Federation flew in the night before we played Zambia and brought a little bit of money and pacified them with a little bit of money. But they met with the team and wanted to discuss, you know, why and what it would be like moving forward. So we had a team meeting that night about 10 p.m. We played the next afternoon at 4 p.m. That meeting lasted about an hour and a half. So we didn't get out of there till about midnight. And in that meeting, the purpose was to explain to the players why they didn't have the money and what we would do moving forward and how they would get paid. And they wanted feedback from the players. So one of my goalkeepers, my top two goalkeepers were there. The one that's my backup goalkeeper um, spoke out and said, look, I've been in this program over 15 years as a youth player all the way to the senior team. And every every year you tell us the same thing. And she said, you know, I'm not a child anymore. I have a family to take care of. You can't just come in here and expect us to believe, you know, to believe this. And so they didn't like the way she said it. So they dismissed her from the national team, cut her all together, which the irony of it is the Federation caused the problem by not paying the players. They asked for a meeting where the players could discuss and then when the players discussed, they cut a player for saying something the way they didn't want to hear it. So for the next two or three windows, I was without my backup goalkeeper. And um, so all this time, it's, uh, that's over a four or five month period. So all this time I'm fighting to get her back because she's very important to us in the World Cup. And um, finally, the general secretary and the president agreed to let her come back uh, if she wrote an apology letter. And if um, I would then, if I took her back, then to the World Cup, if I would take a goalkeeper, a young goalkeeper in Nigeria that they wanted me to take. And so I still had three or four months before the World Cup and said, well, this give me plenty of time to see this, this other goalkeeper. So I didn't really fight it at that point. Now, fast forward, since we didn't have the camp in Nigeria, three weeks before, like we were supposed to, I didn't get to see this goalkeeper. 
So then they wanted me to turn in my final roster of 23 and they wanted me to put this goalkeeper on that I have never seen, never been in one of our camps. And um, I, I refused to do it. I said, I, I can't take a player that I've never had in camp. I mean, that's ridiculous. Who would, who would do that? This is the world cup. So they argued with me. This went back and forth a couple of days. Finally, I came back and set my foot down and said, look, in my contract, it says I picked my team. I'm not taking her. I'm taking the three goalkeepers I've had in camps over the last two years. So it was an immediate retaliation and then said, okay, then you pick your team, but now you can't take your assistant coach, which is Lauren Gregg here in the U.S. And she's my right-hand coach. She's won a World Cup championship with Tony DeChico in the U.S. team. She's won an Olympic gold medal. She's an icon in, in women's soccer here in the U.S. And so now they, they're not letting her go. So for the last two or three weeks, I've been fighting this battle, trying to get her back in. And now, John, to, to be quite honest, I, as of two weeks ago, they won't even answer my correspondence. I email, I text, I call. They won't even take you know, a message. It's just that they, they don't want to deal with it, you know, anymore. So it's, it's just, we're not prepared properly on the field. We're not prepared with staffing because the assistance they've given me aren't capable of giving you kind of help you need in a world cup. Um, and that, you know, and, and this goalkeeping situation, I mean, could you imagine me telling my third string goalkeeper, look, I'm not going to take you to the World Cup because I'm going to take a, a young goalkeeper that I've never seen. I mean, at some point, it becomes just right and wrong. You know, what's right and what's wrong. So they initially had told me I could do one or the other. If I took the young goalkeeper, then Lauren could go. Or if I took the goalkeepers I wanted, then Lauren couldn't go. And uh, that's the way it started out. And I'm going like, what does Lauren or the staff have to do with this player roster spot? We're just talking about a player roster spot here. And I said, I would have been happy to take her if I'd have had her in camp. And I saw that she was good enough to be my third goalkeeper. I would have taken her. So we're just, these are the kind of, and these are just small stories of what's gone on here, but it's, it's in a really, really bad place to be going for a world cup. Right. And to a point, honestly, John, where I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm supposed to leave Sunday and I've been seriously thinking, do I really even need to go or not? And I mean, and that's, you know, the only thing that keeps me going is the players, you know, it's like, that would be not fair to them to not go and have one of the Nigerian assistants take them that with no real idea of how to help them after I've been working with them for two years, you know, and, but then the flip side of me is there's a right and a wrong. And there's a side of me going, if I can't take Lauren, like she's been devastated. I just got off the phone with her this morning. And it's like, it's almost like, I feel like I'm betraying her. If I, if I go and she can't go and um, you know, it's just, it, it, they've really put us in a bad spot. Yeah. Yeah. Randy, you know, I mean, I could, I could tell there was a lot going on here and, you know, I, I know your, your experience in dealing with difficult situations throughout your lifetime. We all deal with difficult situations, but here you're talking on a, a national level. Uh, you're dealing with a country, you're dealing with geopolitics somewhat, you know, here right. you're dealing with, um, but you're dealing with young people and young people who you're guiding and, and, 
and who play a sport for the they play it because they love it. They play right. it because they want to represent a country that they're probably very proud of on right. and the people. Yeah. And what that country represents. And yet there's there's that other side of it. Uh, and and so uh I you know, again, whenever we see the World Cup or the Olympics and there's you know, there are all kinds of things that happen in terms of geopolitics that get in the way of sport or sometimes can't support the sport the way it should be supported. Um, and I think that, you know, you, I, I'm not here to give advice, but I'm just saying, right. saying like, you know, I, I can understand the the incredible mixed emotion uh, yeah. in, in, in the moment. But I also say like, there's an opportunity maybe to help you know, somebody to steer and help the, these young players get, get through this situation. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of co conversation and communication with those players. It, it must be difficult. It, it has been, you know, I'll tell you real quick too, for the listeners, the third goalkeeper that they want me to replace, she was a college coach at UC Davis two years ago when I came on board and the goalkeepers that they had sent me from Nigeria that they, to look at, we're not very good. So I found out this girl had Nigerian heritage and contacted her. She quit her full-time job as an assistant coach at um, UC Davis. She went back, got herself fit. We brought her into a couple of camps. She loved it. She got herself fit. Then I told her, I said, you know, Yawande, we've got to, the next step is we got to get you on a pro team. You, you've got to be playing regularly, you know? She and her agent got her on a pro team. She signed in France a year ago, changed her whole life just for this opportunity. And so now you can kind of see a little bit more in depth why I just wouldn't not take her, you know. Um, she got her first cap against Costa Rica recently and um, got a shutout in that game. And, you know, even though she's 27 years old, you know, I mean, to me, she's still a kid, but she's a young woman, but she's, changed her whole life just, you know, for this opportunity. So I just couldn't see doing that. And, um, and you're right, John, I mean, it's, it, it, that's what's kept me going is just the players, you know, I've had to kind of separate the two. I've got issues with the Federation, but I've got to look at it from a team standpoint and say, let's give these players the best chance they possibly can have, you know, of doing something successful. You know, we just recruited one of the players that I'm taking to the world cup here at Pitt and she's here with us now about her yes yeah and it's it's a it's a life-changing event you know it's every time we bring a new student here at the university of pittsburgh you see the opportunity that you know is in front of them but to see this kid come in and see the kind of life-changing opportunity this is going to be for her i mean she's already thinking in terms of trying to get her degree in an education here so she can bring her brother over here and get him away from what's going on in Nigeria and her mom. I mean, you know, she's sending money home every month. I mean, it, it's just, you, you would be crushed if you heard some of the stories of these, these players and what, what their home like home life is like. So yeah, I want to do everything I can to give them the opportunity to have as much success as they can at the world cup and maybe help them with branding and maybe their, their stock value will go up and they can find, clubs that they can go off that's in a better situation. And so those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely.
And you're talking about Debbie uh, Abby Abiodun, is that yeah Abiodun Abiodun yeah Abiodun. Now she uh, is she in Pittsburgh? Yeah, she's been here since May. She's been in summer school and been uh, you know training with our strength and conditioning coaches here. And our team got back here uh, this week and have started training on their own. Obviously, you know our coaches we can't be out there, but they can train on their own and. And uh, so she's been here, you know, training with them as well. So, yeah, she's uh, she's here in Pittsburgh. We're really excited about her for this fall. Well, that's going to be very exciting, you know, all the way around to, to have that, you know, her and and obviously you know, the whole pit program and, and, and everything that you accomplished over the past few years leading up to last year's, you know, run into the NCAA tournament, the ACC tournament um, and to have, you know, this momentum, I'm sure things are going to be in good hands uh, you know, while, while you're gone, right. You know, with Ben and, 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 you know, yeah. the, the staff and, but the, the, you know, again, I, I certainly can empathize with you in terms of, uh, this, this situation. Um, you know, all I can tell you is just, you know, we wish you nothing but the best as far as this world cup experience. And uh, we're all rooting for you. I mean, if not more than ever, um, you know, after hearing all this, I think regardless, I, I we're all rooting um, here in Pittsburgh. We'll be following closely and be rooting um, for you. I'd like to talk at least a little bit about, you know, what what you're anticipating in terms of your matchups, uh, yeah. in Canada and, and, and Australia, especially just what goes right now at this point you're, you're looking at film you're you know you know the these teams pretty well but but what goes into this uh for you at this point and preparing and how do you communicate with your players at this point yeah it's um you, you know it's our group i think from different sports writers and and people involved with the world cup have rated our group the hardest in the tournament and i believe it because Canada is the defending Olympic gold medalist and Australia is, I think, ranked fifth in the world and they're the host team. And Ireland, I think, is ranked 22nd in the world and just played the U.S., you know, very well in the two matches they had here in the U.S. Um, you know, and I think Nigeria were maybe 48th in the world right now. So our group is going to be very, very difficult. But, yeah, we've been watching a lot of video, studying all of their last four or five matches trying to anticipate what we think they're going to do and what their lineup we think is going to be. And of course they're doing it on us too. And uh, so a lot of preparation there. I've been, <clears throat> WhatsApp has been a big um, part of my life these last couple of years. And that's kind of how we're on with our players, um, you know, keeping them up with um, fitness programs and talking to a few of the key senior players regularly, you know, about um, the preparations and how they're going and, making sure that they're staying in touch, you know, with the, with the team that we picked um, and giving them that information, you know, we didn't, we're not overloading them with all the information right now that we've gathered, but we'll have that time obviously in those 10 or 12 days that we're there before we start to really hone in on it. But as a staff, we've, we've been working <clears throat> hard to get all of that done. Um, you know, we played Canada twice uh, a few, few months back. You know, in the first match, we lost 2-0. Both these matches were in Canada, by the way. Uh, in the second match, we we were actually winning 2-1 with about seven or eight minutes left, and they tied it up. So we drew with them 2-2. So I do think they're they're very, very good. I think they're they're going to 
have the lion's share of possession, you know, that's in the way they play. They've been together much more frequently than we are. Uh, so we know that. So I think we're going to have to be very efficient, you know, when we win the ball and, you know, how we transition into the attack from when we win it. So we'll tactically have to kind of put together some game plans of different areas of the field that we want to go put pressure on and press and try to regain it and areas of the field that maybe we've got to drop off and be a little bit more defensive. And so a lot, a lot is going into the tactical piece of it um, with our team, but, you know, I think as good as they are, you mentioned it earlier in the, in the podcast, we do have a talented group of players, you know, and that's why I was really hopeful we'd have those three weeks in Nigeria because that, that time would have given us a good amount of time to really get them ready. So now what I've had to really kind of do is backtrack my, my plan. And now really for these 10 days, we'll have to focus on just one or two key big picture items that we want to do well against Canada. I've got one idea of some things I want to take away from them with what they do well. Uh, so defensively, we'll try to get our team on track with that. And then offensively, a couple of areas that I think we can exploit them. And that'll be about all the time we'll really have to implement and hope those two things are enough to, you know, to get us a result. Because the hard thing is, you know, when you look at your group play and trying to advance out of your group, all three teams are really good. Um, but I do th think that first match with Canada is going to be real important. We, we need to get something out of that match, if at all possible. If you can get even a point, if you could get a draw out of that match, if you could get a three points with a win out of that match, because I think Australia at home is just going to be really difficult. There's going to be 60, 60 plus thousand in the stadium for that match. And it's just going to be very difficult. And so, you know, getting something out of the first game is really important. Um, because then if you didn't get something out of the second match, then you're still in it. If you can get something out of Ireland in the third match. Uh, whereas if you don't get something out of that first match, it puts a lot of pressure to get it out of the, the next two. And I don't think any of the three games are going to be easy by any means, but, um, a lot of our emphasis will be put on Canada in that very first match. Yeah. And I, you know, there, I, I want to talk about your club team real briefly uh one player that stands out uh, and um Oshiala I think yeah. that's how you pronounce her last name she yeah. uh, plays for Barcelona's club uh is forward uh it's his goal scoring machine basically yeah. you know it it is sometimes nice to have an equalizer or someone who can that that forces teams that really have to focus on uh maybe try to take away but then you know you're really you've always been really good at adjusting as well yeah. and you know in terms of finding other solutions with other players and whatnot in terms of the attacking presence because i know you want to be aggressive yeah 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 just just your thoughts on her and obviously yeah. you know, well yeah you picked a, a really you picked the right one she's um if you look at any kind of top 50 in the world you know polls that are out there her name is always in it she's won the african football uh, football uh, female player of the year, probably three, three, four times in a row. I mean, she's, when you think of African football, that's people think of, of, of Aussie sot. And, um, you know, she's a big blend. She's a, she's a blend of a couple of qualities, which are great traits. And that is, she's just a stud athlete. She's a big, big player, 
physically strong, uh, fast, hyper athletic. Um, and then I think the second thing that makes her really special is she's got a great, what I always like to call a soccer IQ. She understands the game tactically really well. She understands how to move, how to, how to get into space, you know, how to play off of the shoulder of defenders, all those kind of little nuances that great strikers have. And she's very good with that. Our biggest problem um, in all of this buildup has been she's, you know, she got injured the first game of the African Cup of Nations, so we didn't have her the rest of the way. Uh, um, she was injured in some of the qualifying games. Uh, we didn't have her against Ivory Coast uh, to 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 qualify for the Cup of Nations, and um, you know, so she's been injured for us quite a bit. But um, she's 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 just coming off of a an injury with her club team now. But uh, she should be good to go and ready to go, you know, by World Cup time. Uh, but she is somebody that the opposition can't fall asleep on. She she can definitely punish you in a heartbeat. And she's good around the goal. You know, she's uh, she's pretty clinical around the goal. So um, she's definitely a key player for us. Uh, unfortunately, in the first match, two of our other starters, one is a girl named uh, Rashidat Ashabidi. Um, she's one of our kind of what I would call star players, a good young up and coming player. She and, uh, our starting central midfielder, Halimatu Allende, both have to miss the game against Canada because of the ejection in Morocco. They gave them a two game suspension. So we're really not only probably not prepared the way we need to be, we're going into it without two of our starting players against Canada. So it does put us in straps us a little bit, but, um, you know, I do have faith in the players that will come in and replace them that we can still get the job done. So I'm just crazy enough to think we can get something out of the game, you know, with, with Canada. I mean, the talent is there. If we can, you know, some things are going to have to go your way. We're going to have to play well as a team and stay organized and maybe catch a break here or there. But, um, you know, we're fully capable of getting something out of the game. Well, we're going to look forward to it here in Pittsburgh. I will be following and um, somehow we'll stay connected. Uh, Randy, I know it'll be a whirlwind uh, for you and uh, look forward to seeing you in person when you get back. Uh, but, you know, in terms of everything in front of you, best of luck. Uh, I, we're, like I said, rooting for you for sure. But it, more importantly, I just hope everything goes well uh, for you and for all the young ladies from Nigeria. I think we're you know, really just do hope it's a positive experience all the way around. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time and hopefully the, the listeners will get a little bit of insight and, and uh, understand a little bit more sometimes what goes on at that level. So I, I appreciate you doing this. No problem, Randy. And again, oh, as always, just appreciate your, your time. I know how busy you are. And this is, um, you know, again, take care. Best of luck. All right. Thank you.